Blue Wire. Think about Lawrence. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 154 of Press Pass. Kayla Anderson here alongside my co-host Joshua Perry. And before we dig into this week's episode... I have to congratulate my friend Joshua because he has a new gig in Chi Town. If you don't know what that is, it's Chicago, and it's pretty <laughs> ex- <laughs> it's pretty exciting. Joshua, I'm so proud of you, and I want you to tell our listeners out there what you'll be doing and where they can tune in to watch this national show. Yes, so I am uh, co-hosting a national daily sports television show on uh, all of the Bally's regional networks called The Rally. And we're on every day from 5 to 6.30 Eastern. Uh, We are covering all the topics, but we're doing it in a really fresh and fun and unique and young way, which we're super excited about. But it's myself, Brooke Fletcher, who was most recently at Bally Sports Detroit. Uh, Russell Dorsey, who was an MLB beat writer and a national insider. And Sham Sharania, who is like the man in terms of NBA um, insiders and breaking news and all of that. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's super exciting. It was a little bit of a leap of faith because I've been immersed so heavily in college football. Uh, and I felt like I, this was a really good opportunity to step outside of my comfort zone. But I'm also, you know, going to be able to maintain my duties with the Big Ten Network, which is great. And I am actually moving from columbus ohio to chicago illinois now so a lot of crazy things happening but this is a uh, phenomenal thing we're kicking off and folks you can you can find us if you've got a bally's regional network in your local area you can flip us on every weekday yes i love this it's something new and fresh and i certainly will be tuning in and again bally is all over the country so if you do watch your regional teams, you probably have Bally, just to let you know if you're unsure. Uh, that's yeah, no, what it it's is. literally so. everywhere, like 70% of America, I believe. So. It is, exactly. Yeah, well, if you're listening I, to this, you probably have Bally. Right? Well, I think it's going to be wonderful. Definitely, uh, we'll, we'll kind of like dive in during college football season to just some of the cool topics that you guys at are talking about and discussing. And like Joshua said, he's also still going to be doing work for the Big Ten Network. So he will have all the good stuff when it comes to that during the season. It is the off season though. And now that I'm done covering the Tennessee Titans, wah, wah, yeah, it was. Um, I know. Not- we, should we make Ugh. this an NFL show real quick? Yeah. I mean, I'm always down for talking any type of football. Okay. You know that. I know. Let's do this. So, um, from your vantage point, I'm going to be the the host Ugh. now. I'm going to take the reins. Go for it. So, so Kayla, from your vantage point in watching that football game, do you think do you think Tannehill is the answer at quarterback? I'll start there. Okay. So this has been the debate. Really, even this season, there's been a lot of talk about Tannehill and how he has digressed a bit this season. Now. 
there's a lot of factors that have gone into maybe why. And at the time during the season, a lot of the the issues were with the weapons around him, the lack of, because this roster was injured majority of the year. It was down some of its top players on offense for big chunks of the season. And even AJ Brown, who has clearly been the, you know, star for this team on offense this year, just because Derrick Henry got hurt, he's been injured. I mean, he was out for three games. Um, And so you had at times, no joke, guys from the practice squad Mm -hmm. playing in games, like, like getting targets in games, practice squad dudes. Okay. And so we all are like, okay, maybe Tannehill is just he doesn't have enough around him right now. Obviously, Derrick Henry was gone. You still had a running game, but, you know, everything about Derrick Henry set up everything for play action, something that um, last year Tannehill was so good at and what this team really thrived at. So this year, things just weren't in place. It was kind of wonky. And so once you got everybody back healthy and ready to go in the playoffs, people felt good about what Tannehill could do. Now, he's not necessarily proved himself in the playoffs when he's been here with the Titans. He was 2-2 two and two coming into this game, but he hadn't had any great performances. You know, in those two wins, he threw for like 70 and 90 yards. I mean, it was a Derrick Henry show. And then last year, in that playoff loss to the Ravens in Tennessee, he did not have a good performance. And quite frankly, he choked on that, you know, what could have been the game-winning drive. Mm -hmm. And so everybody coming into this, while they remained positive that he could do it, there were still some people out there that were skeptical. So fast forward to Saturday, we all saw what happened. Ryan Tannehill threw not one, not two, but three interceptions. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to place the blame, every single one of them on him. And I agree with that. Right? The defense, the Bengals defense do give them some credit for having an extraordinary game plan. And really, like, some of those plays, I have to give credit to the Bengals for that. Not necessarily Ryan Tannehill for making all three awful throws. I don't think that was the case at all. But when it comes down to it, we all know this, it's going to lie on the quarterback, especially if the quarterback statistically is the one throwing the interceptions. Right. And so now Nashville is up in arms. Everybody wants Ryan Tannehill gone. Everybody says he is not the answer. But I say pump the brakes just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because again, I don't think they gave the Bengals enough credit defensively. I think they played a good game. I don't think they gave the Bengals enough credit in general that they were Mm -hmm. coming in here and everybody was so pumped that this team was going to go to the Super Bowl. It's a hot team in the the AFC, the Bengals are. They are. And so I think that it really comes down to what did Ryan Tannehill really struggle with this year? Yes, it was turnovers. He had a total of 21 when it was all said and done. Um. But I believe there was also some issues with the changing coordinators from Arthur Smith, who got the most out of Tannehill, to Todd Downing, who I just don't know if those two 
you know, worked well together. Like yeah. they, I, I, that's what it comes down to. So I well, think more so than anything, you got to make the change at OC. That's yeah. my opinion, yes. but I'm not a, I'm not a football player. I'm well, just and somebody I, I who think watches. you can, you can point to play calling too there toward the end of the game. Like, yeah. you know, you, I don't know why you, you wouldn't just hand the ball off. Exactly. You know, Tannehill is a, a good runner, but he's not getting the tough yards. And then Derek Henry, on that fourth down, like you could tell, he's certainly not healthy. Uh, no. Was not playing at one hundred percent, which nobody should have expected him to be. But I, I think that sequence right that there, foot. yeah, no, he was not. But that sequence right there was just baffling, just in terms of the play calling. Um, I, I guess I'll ask you this question. I don't know how much you, how deep into it you are, but if they decide to move off of Tannehill, like mm-hmm. you know, the, this mm-hmm. is not a good draft for quarterbacks. I don't know what they no. have in terms of capital to be able to make moves in terms of a trade or, or what they yeah. have uh, in terms of cap space, like what would be the answer if they decided to move off of, of Tannehill? Yeah, well, that's a thing. I mean, the, you, he just got that deal recently. I it, it would It would be costly unless you could do a straight up trade. And I just don't know if there's a situation out there with what you'd get here and, and right. they'd take Tannehill. I, I mean, right. I don't see that happening. And really today when Mike Vrabel spoke, and we're recording this on a Monday, they did locker cleanouts today. And when Vrabel spoke and they were asked, he was asked about Tannehill several times, there were no indications in my mind that they're moving on from Tannehill. I would sure. say more so the way that he answered questions about coordinators and if that whole staff is going to stay intact that was more a little open-ended of like we're going to have meetings and discussions so I don't see them you know getting rid of Tannehill next year what I can see them doing Joshua is bringing in maybe a backup like they Mm -hmm. did with Tannehill to Mariota that's going to push Tannehill that may you know may kind of have him on the edge of his seat a little and, and to fix the problems he needs to fix because clearly they didn't get fixed this season. I could see them doing that because let's just face it. They've stuck with Logan Woodside up the, as the backup. They've gotten lucky that Tannehill hasn't gotten hurt because no offense to Logan, but he's not a quarterback in the league and he couldn't hold things together. So maybe get in somebody who can push him a little more. And that's what I could see happening. Okay, uh, last question here before we get to our actual show. Um, I know, right? You had mentioned, I know, right? The uh, <laughs> the credit that the Bengals deserved as a whole. Joe Burrow, and we talked about this. We actually yeah. did talk about this last week. The, the pass rush from Tennessee mm. with Harold Landry mm. and um, what's my other guy's name? Uh, uh, Danico Autry on the inside. Oh, yeah. Um, those two guys were phenomenal. And we talked about the fact that Cincinnati's offensive line is just bad. And our guy, Joe Shiesty, was sacked nine times and was still able to pull out that football game. And me and you, obviously, I I played with him for a year when he was a freshman. I was a senior. You followed him enough to know about him. What does that performance say about him as one of the young rising quarterbacks in the AFC? I mean, that guy has what it takes. Like, that guy has star written all over him. 
And we knew that. We even knew that kind of coming into Ohio State, you you knew he had something. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't able to be shown there, clearly with all the quarterbacks in that room. And once he got to LSU and you saw how quickly he adapted and mm-hmm. then you saw what he was able to do there, you just kind of knew like Joey B had it, like, right? Yes. He had that star quality. But he also has this like way about him that nothing's really going to rattle him. And that's what I find the most impressive about him is because he almost has that Tom Brady attitude. Like I'm going to do everything I can to make sure I get back up and keep performing and keep. He's got an edge. He has that edge. And that's what I found so impressive about the performance, regardless of getting Sacked nine times, which the Titans broke an NFL playoff record. They did. With those nine sacks. Um, he still got up and was able to do enough to take care of business in the end. And that you have to give so much credit to. I, I think anybody who doesn't like Joe Burrow is not a football fan. Because no, they're, this, they're this kid is impressive, is right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, Browns fans probably the only people right now who aren't rooting for him. Yep. Truly. Like, yeah. I mean, it's it's a great underdog story. And he even said, we're tired of being the underdogs, which yep. I can appreciate. But, like, it truly is a really good underdog story. They finished last in the AFC North last year. Like, um, you know, they, nobody expected them to be able to, to do very much. There was no. a controversy about, do you pick offensive line or do you pick skill in the first round of the draft? And they went skill with Jamar yeah. Chase, and it seemed to have paid off. And Joe Burrow still getting his ass knocked off, but was He's- getting back up. Yeah. Every single step of the way. And it's interesting because um, Maddie, my wife, um, she doesn't watch football. She's really not a sports person, but like she'll sit down and and she'll watch games with me. And every time she sees Joe Burrow on the TV, she says, he is so cute. Meaning I say the same thing. That's the guy who's going to be the next face of the league because I know. the person, my wife, who's not a football fan, yeah. looks at him. She knows he's a great player, yeah. but she also says, man, he's got it. Like she sees the yep. post-game presser yep. and she's like, oh my gosh, just the way he carries himself. Yep. Um, and I'm excited for him. Like I really am. Like this I is exactly, we're in a really good spot in football because, and I've, I've, we've been talking about the AFC. It's what we're both immersed in right now. But um, when you look at, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, um, Justin Herbert. Like, there are so many phenomenal young quarterbacks right now. Uh, That's the future of football. We're like, we're in really good hands for the next 10 to 15 seasons with these guys, the way that they're playing and the personalities that they have, too. No, I completely agree. And thank goodness, too, right? Because we're going to see the turnover. I mean, Tom Brady's going to retire here soon. Aaron Rodgers is going to retire here soon. And it's just the right time that these quarterbacks that we've watched for really since I was, you know, young. um, I mean, I'm not like super old, but I mean, I've watched them over the last, you know, several, several years. And those are the quarterbacks I know. And those are the quarterbacks that have been like the guys in the league. But they're slowly like, you know, they're retiring. It is what it is. Ben Roethlisberger, like, you know, they're all turning over and all these new guys are coming in at the right time. And they're they're now showing up in being those stars like they're consistent. And that's what is going to be so exciting because there's not going to be some kind of lull where sometimes I feel like there's a little bit of a gap where you don't have those guys that are stars. And now you're seeing it. 
Um, so it is, it's an, it's, it's really an exciting time and it'll be interesting to see some of the off season moves and what happens because there are so many storylines headed into the off season. We haven't even reached the Super Bowl. Yeah. You can find our new, uh, uh NFL podcast on, uh, Seriously. podcast network. <laughs> right. We're, we're going to start the, uh, the, the, I'm not, I'm not going to give it a name yet, but yeah, we're going to well, start our own, our own deal. Hey, we're exactly. going to do an NFL podcast because that exactly. was just natural. <laughs> See, we can do it all, folks. Any kind of football information you want, you just come here. We'll spit it out like we don't even think about it. We didn't even plan that, Joshua. No, it just happened. But, I mean, that was the hot thing to talk about, though. I mean, the games yeah. this weekend. And we yeah. we could do it for all of the games we watched. I mean, oh, yeah. I tweeted incredible. this multiple times. Like, you could not write better storylines. Hollywood nope. could not produce – better storylines than what we saw out of the four games this weekend, each of them. No, I completely agree. But I would say as a whole this year, the NFL has crushed it. Like it is, it has been such a crazy, bizarre, like you couldn't ever point to one team at one particular time type of year. Like, and now the postseason has just brought like the level of interest up another notch ratings have been through the roof for the nfl and yeah so that's really fun and i am kind of sad that that the titan season is over but you know what now the off-season talk begins and i'm sure there'll be plenty of drama that will unfold some chatter right goodness gracious okay well let's get into some college football talk again it's not as (laughs) Now, now I feel like it's a letdown. Now I feel like we're just really letting the fans down, the listeners down, because we're just like, okay, let's talk about the offseason uh, storylines here. Well, we but just gave them so much good content. We like. did. Our energy level has gone down. We'll try to bring it back up. Because guess what? We, we always bring it up when we talk about coaches on the hot seat because it's one of our favorite topics that we always eventually get to during the season And I listed a few here, Joshua, and feel free to add your own. But when it comes to coaches in the hot seat, um, there's a, I mean, I think there's several this upcoming season, but Mm -hmm. I wanted to bring up a few that I kind of looked into in terms of, I think that their seat's really hot. And I'll start in the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 just continues to not really be able to elevate itself. And I just think these two coaches have to do something this year else they're going to be out because they can't continue to have mediocre programs like this with these, you know, with these opportunities to, to really get some top talent there. So Chip Kelly is one of my guys at UCLA. You know, we've seen what he's done in other places. We've seen the success that he had at Oregon. It really just hasn't been the same since he's come back to college football after that short stint in the NFL Joshua. Mm -hmm. And I just think, you know, UCLA was a big name for so long in the, in the PAC 12, but really nationally, I mean, it had been an elite program and it just really has dropped off. And I know that Chip Kelly, this past season got things going a little bit, but I I just feel like you have to start competing at another level. And I just don't know how much longer they're going to wait. So. Yeah. It's interesting um, because UCLA Sign him to a new four-year deal, um, yeah. and I'm I'm super curious what the buyout numbers look like on that 
Yeah. And this isn't an uncommon thing. Like people are like, oh, well, you know, he's got job security because of New Deal. It doesn't matter. The number that you look no, at on the contract matter. is the buyout. Right. Yeah. Like that's the only number that matters. Yeah. Um, and they they gave him this new contract a couple of days before his his buyout would have expired on his old deal. I, I just I don't think they were in a position to go out there and hire somebody who they thought maybe could get the thing turned around or would yeah. have been a better option. Yep. Um, and that's what you get a lot of times in these situations. Um, as I look at UCLA, like how desirable is that job right now? I mean, not not very des- desirable compared to... I mean, to... not like historically, no. 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 So that's the other part of it is I don't know how many great options they've got. So it'll... I will be curious to see how they progress moving forward too, mm-hmm. because I don't think he's the answer, but, but if you, you don't, don't have another else. answer, he's the answer. Yeah, no, you're right. And that's a good point. And that's unfortunate that you have to settle for mediocrity, but at the same yep. time, you know, there's just, and, and really, unless you really want to start getting deep into these young coaches that have potential and maybe rolling the dice on somebody like Washington state did, like, you know, some of these guys that have the it factor, right? I mean, there are guys out there like that, but it's hard, hard to, to sell the it factor uh, to boosters as well. It you is. Know? It totally is. Some it's, of those guys, they don't give a yeah, damn about it factor. They give, you know, they want a name. They want a name. They want a, a fuddy-duddy like we were talking about with your yep. show. They want to recycle somebody that's already gotten through about six or seven schools so yep um my next one is herm edwards at asu arizona state and this is another thing we've talked about this numerous times we do not understand why it is so damn hard to recruit at asu like the campus is phenomenal Mm -hmm. the the it's in warm weather there's beautiful people all around Um, I don't know exactly how much upgrades they've done on facilities, but they've got the, they've got the money. I mean, it's not like a school that doesn't have money. And Herm Edwards was, was somebody that I thought, you know, he had brought in a whole bunch of former player or former players. You know, he has some big names there that is on his coaching staff. I'm like, surely he's going to take this up a notch. And at times we thought maybe that was going to happen and it's just not gotten there. Like it's, there was times you saw it maybe rising and then they'd lose like two big games. And so I start to wonder, okay, what's Herm Edwards, you know, future there? How much are they going to hold on here? But the PAC 12 has a tendency to kind of just linger with their coaches. You know, they're kind of just happy with being mediocre, mediocre. Yeah. It's uh. Bo Bishop always brings up the point that you made about recruiting there and Mm -hmm. uh, what he just, the thing he always says, and I love this man to death is just walk out on the quad. Just walk out on the quad. Yes. That's all you need. The the weather, the people like walk out there. Yes. It it has to be an infrastructure thing. Like I I think geographically it's a little bit tough. Um, So, and we talk about these places that are just recruiting outposts, like, I, I don't think Arizona's as big of an outpost as some other locales, one of which we'll talk about uh, later on this segment. But I do think that there are some logistical issues there. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, this this also could be a the athletic department sucks. I have no idea type situation. Yeah. But to me, it is it's mind boggling that they can't find a way to get things together. Yeah, it is. And, and recruiting, like you said, on the West Coast 
you know, a lot of the talent, a lot of this, you know, five stars, all that, they're, they're in the South. They're, you know, over while you have them in California and you have them some in, in that part of the country, they're usually going to the big, big, big names. And so not all these guys over here in the South are wanting to go all the way over to the West coast necessarily. So that's a part of it too. Uh, so that'll be interesting to watch. And my other two, Mac Brown at UNC, I just think that he's probably close to retiring, I would think, at this point. Knowing that he came back was a surprise in itself. And now I just, I don't know, you know, after having a little bit of success, if, if there's much more to give there. And then Scott Frost, who has been a topic of conversation for us mm. in the Big Ten at Nebraska for the last couple of years, I just really think like, when's the time, when's time up? Like when does time expire for, for the alum? You know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I so mean, Mac Brown on that than me. Yeah. So Mac Brown's thing real quick is interesting because he was hot. Like he was the, the guy for a minute. Now I know he, you can tell he's not the guy and I, I'm not trying to be ageist here, but like, no, no I, no. I just, it's, you know, for him to, to even be having success at this juncture in his career, I think is impressive to begin with. Um, that has expired a little bit. Um, I digress. Scott Frost. Um, I think that there was enough to part ways with him after what we saw this year. Yeah. Three and nine obviously is not getting it done anywhere. I think there's a very strong case that the three and nine was the best three and nine that anybody's ever seen and you could build off of it. I'm just not exactly sure. I'm not exactly sure it gets turned around. Like, I don't know what they're, they got to transfer quarterback in. I'm not exactly sure that they're going to be that much better at quarterback this year. And and Adrian Martinez was uh, really good when he was on and he was awful when he wasn't. Yep. I, I don't think that they, they clean house on their offensive staff and I'm not exactly sure the coaches they hired were upgrades. Right. Like there are so many layers to this. And for Scott Frost's sake, I hope he does well because I would hate to be the guy who came back to their alma mater and just like sputtered yeah. out. But just looking at it from my vantage point, like I'm not exactly sure this is the year things get turned around. Yeah, I know. And like you said, I, I never want a guy to fail that especially had gone there and was there was so much excitement when he was hired just because they really thought that this was the answer um sometimes it's not I mean just because you went somewhere and you know you were somebody that was respected that doesn't mean you're the answer and I just don't know if this is panning out I just think it's a tough place it's a tough sell anymore like I know Nebraska has its tradition it's just kids don't give a damn about tradition that's what I'm saying and it's just it's 2022. Like Nebraska is when you have all these other choices now and climates and people don't care about what it was like, you know, that long ago there, they they don't even think about that. No. And so it's hard to get to. It's a tough tough place to travel to. Um, It's, I mean, Lincoln is a fun college town, but you know, it's an hour to Omaha and, Omaha is a great city, but it, I mean, it's, but that's not that Omaha. big either. Yeah. I've been there no. too. I like Omaha. I mean, the culture I do too. is awesome, but I mean, it's but not it's, a big, it's Omaha. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's, I mean, that's difficult. 
Uh, yes. And then, yeah, I mean, they haven't they haven't been winners in a while either, and that really matters. Yep. Well, those are some of our coaches to watch on the hot seat. I'm sure we'll be adding to that. There are also ones that, you know, it will be interesting to see how much leeway they have, a.k.a. Steve Sarkeesian at Texas, but that's for another mm. day. We'll His leash happens. is getting shorter by shorter. the day. Yeah, exactly. Like they no, better hope all these NIL kids work out because the boosters are going to be saying. pissed that they wasted their money. Man, the boosters there are like Jerry Jones, the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Ain't nothing going to happen until those peeps go away nope. and they're never going to go away. Yep. Because <laughs> they control everything. Just like Jerry Jones controls everything with the Cowboys and he's in their business way too much. He's not going to let any of these coaches ever have any freedom. They're not going to win a playoff game. Jared Jones. Just saying. Just saying. All right. Okay. So we're going to move on to something I felt. I, I read this article. I found it interesting because Jim Trussell is is obviously one of the greatest coaches that, that's coached at Ohio State. One and of our favorite people. Right. Wore the sweater vest very, very well. One of the few that did it very well. Um. So he appeared on the One Star Recruits podcast. They were hitting so many topics with him. But the one that I found interesting, he was giving his grade on Jim Harbaugh at Michigan on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being the worst and 5 being the best. Like, what do you think of Jim Harbaugh in terms of what he's done? And he pretty much said, quote, because of the lack of winning in the game, uh, by the way, Harbaugh is one and five against Ohio State and lack of winning in the postseason. That's what makes it tougher to have a win loss legacy. That's what Trussell said. He said, I don't know what his legacy is with the student athletes and what the relationships are so forth. And that is the ones that least, or excuse me, that last the longest anyway. The public is going to assess, as they should the win-loss records. But the impact that you have with your students, that is really your record. And honestly, I'm not sure that those relationships are there. I found that interesting that he kind of like took it further than just, you know, just the win-losses on the papers, but he took it to what the fans look at the win-losses as. And Mm -hmm. the fans know that he hasn't won the big game except for this past year. And I would kind of agree because I don't know what their thoughts are on Jim Harbaugh. Do they like him? I mean, you got to like someone a little bit to like leave them a great legacy. And I just don't know if they 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 really embrace Jim Harbaugh. So Michigan. the honest the honesty on that one is, I think that Jim Harbaugh's antics and I think his personality and I think his losing to Ohio State and Michigan State was really wearing on people. And this year. Uh, turn things around. Like there was a reason he like was he on that. Like he had a wake up moment. No, I think it's just like you know what have you done for me lately? Like he 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 wasn't. Michigan football has not been what a lot of people want it to be in two decades. To be completely honest, this no. year was as close as they've been yeah. to nineteen ninety seven, um, and it was almost twenty years between yeah. Big Ten championships. Like it hasn't been what they wanted in a while, and. They thought Harbaugh was going to get that thing turned around way quicker than he uh, took to do it. And so a lot of people were just like over him. And he was on that contract. 
that was, you know, prove it. Basically, we're going to pay you a base salary that's real low and you can earn the rest of your money. And he did prove it. Deserves all the credit in the world for that. But there were a lot of Michigan fans who were about done with his ass. And now they're like, okay, well, you know what? He can stick around. Yep. And especially with the smoke about some of these NFL jobs. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's the thing. I mean, to be determined, in my opinion, on what his legacy is going to be, because he could also be out and going to an NFL job this next season. And I don't think that's going to sit well with people because you're going to, you're going to sit there. You're going to have a season like you did. You're going to finally have what you needed for the players to believe for people to start believing. Then you're going to bounce. Now I'm not saying he's going to do that, but I'm saying if he does, that's really going to just, Ooh, that's going to just, he should do it. Oh, I know. I I think he should go. We've talked about this, Joshua. I I just don't know. Like, I don't think he's a guy that just loves to recruit and loves to. I mean, that's all. It's a lot of work. And every coaching job is a work, whether it's in the NFL or in in college. But in college, there's just a little bit more, a little bit, a little bit more wear and tear. You know, he's over here doing squats at a a (laughs) local high school. Uh, What? Yeah, that was the latest one. I, he was oh, recruiting somewhere, God. and he got in the squat rack. Would he rip his khakis? Well, so he wears the Lululemon <laughs> khakis with the, oh, with the stretch God. to him. Yeah. Um, but oh. but I think the, the rumor was that Ryan Day was at the same high school and did 16 reps, so Jim oh Harbaugh God. said he was going to do 21 reps. Uh, this is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it's this, it's fun, it, though. Just, those, I love those guys. It. No, I love it. It's great. It's just great. I mean, more power to them. <laughs> okay, let's move on to our final topic. And going back to coaches in college football, Joshua, I was looking at the latest um, rankings in terms of what coaches are making, who the top five coaches are. I found this a little bit interesting. So first I'll just start with ranking them here in terms of who makes the most. So at number five, this is where I was a little bit taken back. Uh, at five is Stanford's David Shaw mm-hmm. at about 8.9 mil. Now, yep. look, David Shaw's a good coach, but he's mm-hmm. also been stale at Stanford for the past few years. I mean, there yep. has been no progress. And he yep. once was taking them to the promised land uh, yep. when Luck was there. But look, that's been a while, Joshua. Yeah, tough job, tough conference, though. Um, you know, like they've got they've got as many academic overlays as anybody in college football. Um, mm-hmm. And he, he's kept them respectable. I know they've had a couple of real dud seasons, but I think they're paying for the security. And he's a guy too, it feels like, in a lot of these um, <laughs> NFL cycles, whose name gets sprinkled in just somewhere. Um, he does. And, hmm? He does, yeah. Yeah, and so like, I think they, they want to make sure that they have the security there of a guy who they know and they trust to, to be respectable and someone who they feel like is a good developer of young men and can recruit to Stanford. And I think that is valuable. Yeah. Yep. It is. I, I, I wonder, you know, I do kind of wonder what happens in the future with them or whatever, but yeah, I was, I was a little bit shocked. I was like, Whoa, okay. He's top five in terms of highest paid coaches. All right. Um, Mel Tucker. We all know about Melly Mel. coming at Michigan State. What do you think about, you know, what do you think about this deal that that they did for him? And and what do you think really, like, 
we've seen what he did this season was really impressive and that's clearly why he got some money but I mean are you really sold on this do you think this is the answer here for for the next several years I mean is this the guy I'm I'm not mad at him for getting his money up whatsoever um I I, now uh, let me let me say this Uh I think all these guys are getting paid too much every last one of them so we'll start and end the conversation right there but for two minority coaches to be in the top five, I think is yeah. really important. That's um, huge. And they've both been good. Mel, I think, was a little bit more of, um, you know, they're striking while the iron's hot. And, uh, well, yeah. They, yeah. This is what happens, though, when you're Michigan State. You're the fourth yeah. best job in the Big Ten East, Oof. right? So you yeah. rank them. Ohio State's the best job in the whole damn conference, period. Then it's probably Penn State and Michigan very close together, especially coming off the year that Michigan had. And then, mm-hmm. you, what do you throw Wisconsin in there? Yeah, like, yeah, you know, in in the East, it's the fourth job. It might be the fifth best job in the whole conference, depending on who you ask. And so, when you have a guy who publicly states that he believes that Michigan State is a destination job, mm-hmm. but he's also being courted by LSU potentially or courted by, um, you know, USC potentially or whatever some of these openings were this past year, you lock him down as quickly as you can. And I think Mel Tucker is going to maintain success at Michigan State. Um, But this was 100% a Michigan State knows who the hell they are. And they had D'Antonio who absolutely believed it was a destination job. And he got them to a college football playoff. And now they get Mel Tucker who had Michigan State ties. He was there as a GA, and he believes his destination job, and they want to make sure they don't lose him. Yeah, no, and it's that's the thing. You kind of have to go with what's like going on right now in the world of of coaching and what they're paying guys. And again, there's just not a ton of guys out there that you know are capable of maybe taking a program and getting him to that level if they believe in their guy that you kind of have to pay him right and if you think that this is the guy you don't really want to chance it in terms of losing somebody like that you got to pay him so that's just that's just the world of college football that you're in and I'll get to you in a second about these guys getting paid too much real quick to wrap up the top five no it's not Nick Saban at the top (laughs) Nick Saban (laughs) is the goat but he's not at the top he's making just over nine mil and then at number two is Brian Kelly now at LSU. We'll see wow. how that pans out. I'm still not sold on that. So, like, you take your all spike exit down there and we'll see what happens, Brian. And then at number one, no surprise here, it's Lincoln Riley. He's estimated at $10 million plus. Look, yeah. look, though, Joshua, if I were Lincoln Riley, I mean, you better know the pressure that's on you to get it done, bro. Like, you, you better know the pressure that's on you. Like yeah, they got tasked. billboards with his face yeah. on them in LA. Like it's yep. yeah, this ain't no your task. You're tasked with not only turning USC around, but really the the Pac-12 is relying on you to to get it back to to where it was. So <laughs> have fun, bro. Hope you're enjoying yeah, all that moolah yeah. and the sun in LA. But you're gonna have to start proving yourself in LA. It's a new place. Yeah, that 100 percent. So is, is true. Deal. Yeah. And yeah. so before we part ways with this podcast today, you pretty much have come to the conclusion. I was going to ask you this. Like these coaches are making too much. 
Is this, am yeah. I, am I wrong? I mean, it, why, why is this happening? Why do, why do we got to be paying them this money, this much money? It's really interesting too. Like, I'm not saying that these guys don't have a hard job. I'm not saying that developing collegiate athletes into potential pros isn't valuable in, in the whole deal. But I always go back to this idea that um, when Woody Hayes was coaching at Ohio State, mm-hmm. he made the equivalent of like 200K a year. <laughs> like uh, when John Cooper was coaching at Ohio State, it was a, a similar thing. Like these guys were making good money. They weren't getting rich. And all of a sudden the the money explodes. Why does this happen? because of tv contracts and because yeah. of sponsorship deals and all all like you know this became a real business and mm-hmm. so you can do a, a number of things with the money is number one you can spend it on facilities and upgrades and all those things that people do but then number two is you can spend it on paying people yeah. but the only people who are getting paid in this equation the only people who are employees are coaches and so you have this this humongous influx of money and you got 10 people on the freaking staff that you can pay. Mm-hmm. This is why these guys get paid so damn much. And then it's not even the TV money, but it's like the boosters are all of a sudden like, dude, mm-hmm. we like Mel. Like we're, we, we might have to cut swimming and diving. And we're going to tell the basketball yeah. team to schedule away games that are within driving distance yeah. so we can get buses instead of chartering planes. But Mel Tucker, by damn it, we will come up with $80 million if we need to, to give to this man. And that's what it is. And so I am not here to say that these guys are not elite coaches. I'm not here Mm -hmm. to say that these guys don't deserve to be paid very well because they do Mm -hmm. 10 million, $9 million, $8,000,000 a year is so much money. These, this is academics. Most of these guys, if they are, if they are the head coach of a state institution, they're the highest paid state employee. Exactly. Well, it's that, crazy. Yeah, that, that was like the whole thing with Washington State, you know, having to part ways with Nick Rolovich because he was one of the, yeah, I mean, he was a high paid state employee and he wasn't getting vaccinated. And that was the rules. That was the law. Like that was, and he wasn't, he thought he was above that. Like, and he just wouldn't do it you know, and he was one of the highest paying guys and, you know, has all this power. It's just, it's become such a a power thing too. It's just unbelievable, you know, where even just several years ago, I think even maybe four or five years ago, I can remember when, when the coach's salaries, like, I think it was around, like, I'm not joking. I think it was around like four mil or something. And they've just exploded. Like it's exploded. Yeah. Uh, let me let me let me do a little quick research here because I just want to provide context to some of this conversation. Yeah, but it's crazy. I mean, I've I've watched this thing just go wild over the last handful I, of I years. I know. I mean, it just that while we, it's so crazy because you you continue to see their salaries go up, and I'm like, man, I wish my salary increased like that. My salary's been at the same level for the last three years, four years. You're right. I'm like, oh, Urban I my- in 2012 when he was hired mm-hmm. made four million bucks. A I year. told you. I told you. He was Am the I right? highest yeah. paid highest yep. paid coach in the Big Ten. See, at the time. I got some good memory. Got some yeah. good memory. In in 2012, and that was my freshman year in yep. college. It was yep ten years ago, but like the shit, that was ten years ago. Um, you see how I but, lose track of time. 
I know, Kayla, and, and you have aged so gracefully, Thank too. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it, because I don't feel like I have. Like, or no, I feel yeah. like I haven't aged. Like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yes, you know absolutely. Yeah, no, you are <laughs> you are as young as the day that we first did wall-to-wall together. Right, um, right, long time ago. But now, like, four million bucks a year might be, like, the... I know. The, okay, so let's do this exercise real quick. Um we're ma- did you fun. you guys didn't know you were you're coming into a math podcast today? Yeah. So we're all, all right. getting smarter. Big Ten coaching salaries for 2021. Let's uh let's look at this list here. Let me scroll to the bottom. That's what I'm looking for. Scrolling to the bottom. Okay, to see. What all right. So the okay. lowest paid is Mike Loxley, and I knew this about two and a half a year. Okay. Greg okay. Chiano is the 13th out of 14. At Rutgers, Rutgers, 13 out of 14, 4 million bucks a year. Yep. That's what I was guessing about. That's that. where we are right now. Has, That's nuts. That's nuts. And I know everybody's going in, oh, inflation in this and the third. Now, I'm not here to tell you that it ain't real. <laughs> but has inflation risen that much that the lowest paid guy or the second lowest paid guy in the Big Ten should be making as much as the highest paid guy in the Big Ten was 10 years ago? That's I just think that's nuts. They didn't pay too much, Kayla. I think so too. I think so too. It just and the and just the the quickness. And I know you said ten years ago, but God, ten years ago, how is that even happening? Um, but oh, no. the thing is, is it's just it has still gone up an incredible amount in in what I still think is is not a lot of time. I, I that's still the amount of you know millions it's gone up for these head coaches it's just i mean what's changed they're still doing what they did i mean they're still that's still if anything they have more help if anything yes. they have more staff if anything yep. they've got analysts they're hiring freaking joe schmo from former head coach now he's a freaking analyst yep. i mean yep. they're doing they got more help it's and they're it making is, more money yes and what in the actual yeah what in the actual like <laughs> i mean if, if we're gonna <sighs> oh, I, and God. you've seen you've seen the social media teams these guys have like you've seen yes. all that the support staff is outrageous and and, the, and and to be completely fair like the support staff is up to the university on how much they want to spend on that but there are some schools that they have 30 guys for support staff. Some schools only have 10 guys, right? Uh, I saw on during national championship game, somebody tweeted out Georgia's media guide and they must've had 60 people listed as support staff. They had a director of player personnel and a director of high school recruiting and a director of college recruiting and a director of on-campus football affairs. And then they had, a sports psychologist and they had an assistant sports psychologist and they had a head chef and they had an assistant chef and they had a chef de cuisine and like all these different <laughs> things listed on the media guy just for the football team dude i mean that's insane it's nuts it's insane i mean i think we just proved our point why they get paid too much sorry yeah it's crazy wow but... well we did a little bit of everything on this podcast today, so yeah, you know, we sure did. 
maybe you're tuning in because you're you've got an hour long drive to your destination. If so, you're gonna just wrap this podcast up on time. If not, sorry, folks, you're gonna have to split it in two to your morning drive and your night drive back home. Get your little half and half, right? That's just all the 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 goodies that we brought you today. Okay, well, that will do it for this episode of Press Pass. Joshua, where can they go to find you? And remember, uh, I, I'm assuming, too, you'll have some new stuff you could tweet about with your new show. You got yes. some good stuff you um, can put out there as well. There's there's a couple of little clips on there right now. But you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at RIP underscore JEP. You can find me at Kayla Anderson TV. Uh, I don't – I kind of just have been – you know, solely focused on the Titans this season. I've been really like covering them every day of my life. So I don't know what's going to happen here (laughs) in the next few months, because we still got pro teams here that we're going to cover, but you know, I pretty much will get into anything, anything that I am interested in. I'll tweet about, I'll try to bring you as as much knowledge as I can because I'm all in. I I don't do just one thing. I'm all in. No, you're, you are, you are everywhere. (laughs) At Kayla Anderson TV, folks, as always, we really appreciate you guys tuning in. Hey, go ahead and if you like our podcast, don't be afraid to share it with your friends. And, you know, we do tend to go off on tangents sometimes. So it's kind of just fun to listen to. Even if you are not a diehard college football fan, I think we're able to kind of bring you different perspectives. We have a little fun on here. So again, if you like our podcast, please, please share it. We want it to continue to grow. Uh, We really appreciate the loyal listeners and all of you that have, you know, started to listen here lately. Uh, You guys have an incredible weekend. Stay safe. And we'll be back here for another episode of Press Pass next week.